Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, April 29th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining me on today's show. And I hope that you will also call me with your investing questions. And when and if you make time to call, you can begin to shape this show to your liking and to your advantage. And remember, all, our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve financial freedom using a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to incrementally move you onto the path of financial freedom and maybe keep you on the path if you're already there. So we're going to do this together one step at a time. And since today is Monday, I will share some uh, so, some market news uh, to open the week. Now, our anytime listener line is open right now at 888 chart. That's 888-992-4278. I urge you to get your calls in sooner rather than later. Now, on today's Invest Talk, my main talking point is prompted by a headline, in spite of a strong GDP number, the real economy continues to slump. Now, that's a strong headline. It's a, uh, maybe an extreme way of looking at the, the GDP number, but we're going to break it down a little bit and help you understand where that 3.2% GDP in the first quarter, or that growth, came from, and whether that's, uh, was it built on strong foundation, or was it a little bit of a, a misnomer? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give you the true, the, get to the heart of the real economy and private sector consumption and investment, and those parts look to be slowing. So we're going to get into that in more detail. Also, some other topics on my mind. Earnings season. Earnings season is about halfway through for the first quarter, and the revolt, the, the, revolt, the results have been a little bit better than expected. However, analyst earnings estimates for the rest of the year have still been continued to come down. So we always talk about the market looks forward. You know, a lot of people look at earnings that come out for the previous quarter and they go, okay, that beat expectations or missed expectations. And frankly, that matters far less than what the company is guiding to for the coming quarter, coming year, etc. So what is most important is what their guidance is for the rest of the year. So we're going to talk about what sector has bucked the trend of lowered guidance and lower earnings estimates for the rest of the year. So we'll look at that sector. Also, Australia. This is an area of the world that, frankly, most people kind of write off, right? It's 
it's it's the smallest continent uh it's just one big country uh which most of it's not very inhabitable or inhabited uh and it's kind of written off as just uh something that's 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 out there it doesn't really affect the global economy but there are there's there's a lot of problems in Australia that I want to get to and help you be aware of so you know you're not blindsided by anything that's kind of come out of, of Australia kind of makes me think a little bit of Canada today but Canada Australia very similar uh, we're gonna get into those problems uh, later in the show also how 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 should financial advice be given how it should work Right, and there's a new SEC proposal. It's, it's called SEC proposed to enhance protection and improve choice for retail investors in their relationship with financial advisors. It's a very long-winded uh, topic, but it goes into setting a little bit more parameters around what it means to be a financial advisor uh, and more transparency for retail investors, which I think is extremely important because I think there's a lot of opaqueness within the industry. So we're going to get to that as well. So those are the things that are on my mind. Those are the things that I want to touch on today. But ultimately, it's about you. It's about what important topics you care about. And that could be uh, a broad sector of the economy, a broad sector of the market, uh, a specific stock, a specific asset class, uh, muni bonds versus corporate bonds, or uh, maybe it's currencies, maybe it's precious metals, maybe it's uh, tech stocks or utility stocks. We're gonna get, we can talk about everything really across the board. Maybe it's annuities, your 401k. There's so much we can cover. So anything that's on your mind, reach out and ask those questions on today's show. Now let's take a quick market wrap. We saw. The, the market was strong early and we had a bit of a sell-off later in the day and that pushed the, let's see, the REITs were down the biggest, about 1% on the day. Retail had the best and consumer staples had the best performance on the day. The S&P 500 was up about 0.1%, very modest gain on the S&P and the NASDAQ was up about 0.2%. So, very modest update for the major indexes after a decent start uh, in the morning, kind of sold off later in the day. So that was kind of the the end result. And after hours, you had Google had poor earnings, or at least poor for from what expectations were. And they're down. They started, they closed the day around 1300 a share, and now we're at about 1200 a share. So decent dip on Google after hours. So that's really what happened in the market today. But let's take a quick look at earnings. Oh, are we moving on? Okay. Okay. Well, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I've got a save the date reminder for you. Steve will be returning to San Jose, California, day after tomorrow, Wednesday, May 1st. He will be conducting no cost portfolio review consultations. He will look at your portfolio, suggest ways to maximize its performance. Once again, that is in two days. Space is limited. I believe there's one space left. So if you want it, you need to call or shoot us an email. Go to investtalk.com, click on contact us or portfolio review, and we will uh, set you up a time to meet with Steve. So please register at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. 
This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, this is a big week for earnings with more than 150 S&P 500 companies reporting. So about 30% of all S&P 5 companies are going to report this week for their first quarter results and obviously giving some sort of guidance for the rest of the year. Now on the tech side, average earnings have been beating expectations by 7% or more and the rest are coming in at about 5% above expectation and that has pushed, especially the NASDAQ, to all-time highs and consumer sentiment is having its best run this uh, w- this l- in this late stage expansion and today in 2019 the economy has grown a whopping 3.2 percent in the first quarter which we're going to talk about we're going to break that down how did we get that number was it in the back of sustainable figures or not and then Boeing Boeing's having its annual meeting today in Chicago, and there's obviously going to be some major questions over the 737 MAX 8 controversy, and suspend, they suspended its share purchase repurchase plan to conserve cash. I think this is the start of something bigger, I think, with Boeing. You know, we've had such a great run in the stock. Uh, they're, they're really in bed with the, with, with the government right now and uh, government spending, and if they're having this big of a hiccup with their commercial fleet, are they going to continue to get the government to pony up for more and more planes and uh, defense equipment, etc.? So I think that is a lot. Of, a lot of perfection is built into the to the Boeing stock right now, and I think this is a, a very big. I think six months, nine months for Boeing to get this 737 issue behind them and clear the air, fix any problems, get the public confidence back, which I think to some degree uh, has been lost. So a uh, big week for Boeing. Next, Pepsi-Cola. Pepsi-Cola had its first quarter earnings beat. Uh, they beat Wall Street expectations on earnings and revenue continue, uh, thanks to continued growth internationally and their snack food business. Frito-Lay saw its sales grow by 5.5%. Could be a strong Super Bowl. Could be organic growth of 5.2% during the quarter, which remember, when you have large companies like this, if they can beat revenue guidance, if they can produce even a decent level of growth, like 5%, that is very, very strong. That means they're doing a lot of things right, and that's uh, that's why Frito-Lay's or, or Pepsi uh, did so well this quarter. Now, we always appreciate it when listeners take time to call in with their questions, so this call came in earlier on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Oh, hi. This is Arthur from Nevada. I'm uh, just thinking about India for... Uh investment, especially uh, with the explosive growth expected over the next decade. They say by 2030, it's supposed to overtake the U.S. in GDP. 
What do you think of ETF uh, ticker symbol FLIN? I'll listen on the podcast. Thanks. All right, he's looking at FLIN. This is the Franklin FTSE India ETF. One of my big issues here is that the 50-day average daily volume is 2,600 shares. Very, very minuscule. This is an ETF that only has a track record of about a year. And even though the expense ratio is only about 0.19%, which is good, especially for an international fund, um, I worry about that spread uh, that you're going to have with the, the spread of... Um, the, the bid and the ass because it's so thinly traded, okay? So I worry a little bit about that. I would go with something like INDA is probably a better uh, bet simply because the average daily volume is going to be much, much higher. Uh, let's take a look at what it is. It's uh, Yeah, that one's 4 million shares per day on INDA. So I, you know, I like what you're thinking about with India. Uh, I, I do think... There's so much potential still with that country. Um, the infrastructure hasn't been built out nearly enough. I think the leadership is starting to come around and they're starting to understand what is needed to unlock the, the massive potential that India has, similar to what's happened in China, um, that I, I agree. But just like any emerging market country, there's going to be a lot of risk and a lot of volatility. And in that case, I want something that has a lot of liquidity as well. And so I'm going to go with something that trades a lot more, has a lot more trading history. And I'm going to go with something like INDA. But I like your thinking. I like where your head's at. Uh, trying to keep the, the cost down, uh, and but exposure to India. So maybe a year from now, three years from now, maybe that, uh, that was it, FLIN will be trade enough, but for now, I'm going to stick with INDA. This is Invest Talk, and we are now at the point where we have one more trading day remaining in April. Yes, tomorrow is the end of the month. And for Invest Talk listeners, we are in this together. That's why I am here. That's why Steve is here each and every weekday, and I want to help you work towards your goal of financial freedom. So maybe you have questions about the balance of your portfolio, and I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at KPP Financial. You can call our Irvine, California office or send us a message through investtalk.com. And now, I'm taking your financial and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Your decision-making process can benefit from practical and unbiased advice if you consult with Steve or Justin. And on May 1st, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose to offer complimentary portfolio review consultations. So don't miss this opportunity. Register now at investtalk.com. Justin Klein is here now taking your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 8899 chart, 8899924278. We have, let's see, 35 minutes left in the show. So give us a call. Let's hear what you have to say about the economy, certain sectors, certain stocks in today's market. Now, GDP uh, for the first quarter was just announced, uh, at least the first estimate for what it's going to be. It's going to be revised, could be up, could be down. But 
The Commerce Department said in the first quarter, the U.S. GDP grew 3.2% year over year, which is a nice, solid number. But if you have ever taken an economics class, you'll know that there are certain uh, aspects that make up the GDP, right? There's consumer spending, there's government spending, there's investment, typically from businesses in plant, property, equipment, etc., and then there's net exports. Those are the main, the, you take those in aggregate and you add them up and that's what your GDP is. And that's where your GDP growth comes from, is one of those four or a mixture of them. So let's break that down. In the first, quor in the first quarter, consumer spending rose 1.2% in the first quarter, 1.2. In the fourth quarter, it was 2.5. So it was about half the growth quarter over quarter, right? So you have, once again, slowing growth on the consumer side. Spending on durable goods itself plunged 5.3%, which is the worst since 2009, since the recession, okay? Then you go investment. Business investment slowed to 2.7% from 5.4. Once again, slowing growth. Investments in structures like uh, factories, offices, stores, etc. fell for the third straight quarter. Investments in equipment like airplanes, computers, machinery barely grew, just rising 0.2%. So very, very small on that front. The biggest bright spot was investment in intellectual property, software, movies, etc., that accounted for about a third of the growth in the private sector. The private sector, okay? You're talking about consumers, businesses, etc. So obviously, the investment in content from the likes of Netflix and studios, etc. That really drove a lot of the private sector growth. Now, if you look at final sales to the private domestic purchaser, that has fallen three quarters in a row. Consumer spending has fallen three quarters in a row as well. Business investment is growing about one-fourth as fast as it was in the first quarter a year ago. Right? Remember, you had that kickstart of the private sector by, lower, by having lower tax rates. Right? More money in corporate profit or pocketbooks for them to spend. Where else? Where else do we make it up? If there really wasn't a lot of growth in that consumer and business, where was it? Well, it was big improvements in the trade balance, meaning our trade deficit shrank, and big buildups in inventory, which that tends to not be a good thing, and big increases in state and local government spending. And that's really what's happening here, is the government is, picking, is increasing its deficit and spending. Both locally and on the government or, or on the uh, federal level. So that is what is what drove the first quarter GDP growth, which to me isn't really that sustainable. Let's go to Kent in Texas. He's looking at GlaxoSmithKline, correct? Yes, sir. And what I'm calling about, Justin, is when you look at a company like GlaxoSmithKline, which reports in a British pound instead of the dollar. What kind of metrics do you use? How do you interpret those metrics? Do you, 
take like earnings and double them or, or adjust them to the whatever the currency rate is? How do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, you have to adjust them for the translation from the dollar to the British pound. Uh, our, our software does that for us. So, um, yeah, you, you definitely would, would want to do that. Uh, they are a UK-based developer of pharmaceuticals for respiratory and cardiovascular diseases, viruses, and vaccines. So they're one of the largest drug makers in the world, $109 billion market cap. Uh, are you looking to buy it? Do you own it? What are you thinking? No, I've been watching it for a while and looking to buy it because I'm looking for that 5% uh, dividend. And it's a, like you mm -hmm. say, it looks to me like it's a, a gigantic company with not that much debt. My wife uses Trilogy, which is an, an inhaler that just came on the market and is really taking off in the respiratory. Mm -hmm. And then they've got the leading one for shingles. They've got two or three vaccines that are really taking off now. And there's just some different things in their pipelines that look to me like might, you know, really take hold. And so I well, their looking growth at is, Yahoo their growth Finance is certainly picked up. Out, I can't really tell. Yeah, well, you're, you're right. Their growth has picked up. It was consistently negative for a while, and now we've suddenly gotten to at least decent growth, you know, a few percentage points, which is a nice change from a uh, downward uh, slope in their in their growth trajectory. So they're definitely improving. This The chart looks a lot better than it did. Um, so from a valuation standpoint, it's not super cheap, uh, but if you're looking for that dividend, I think that's relatively safe, and I like the fact that they're growth trajectory is starting to move up. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. Your typical workday can be very busy. Assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone, you may already be looking to the future, to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience to enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com. In today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. This is Invest Talk, and you've come to the right place. Justin Klein is here now, taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Tomorrow on Invest Talk, are the all-time record highs of the market uniquely vulnerable to a sudden downturn? When major indexes set records, stock market veterans use subtler measures to evaluate the market's strength. And that story is going to be tomorrow that Steve will get to. But for now, let's take a live call from Jeff in San Francisco. He wants to talk about FSDAX, which is the Fidelity Select Defense and Aerospace Portfolio. You're looking to buy, sell, or give it away? 
I bought the fund. It was at one twenty one. It dropped down to seventeen bucks, which I could afford. I threw a couple thousand bucks at it, but it seems like it's on a losing streak now. What is your what do the prognosticators say about FSDAX? Are you talking about the Fidelity Select Defense and Aerospace Ace Fund? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So what are what are you seeing? It was at one twenty one. It dropped down to seventeen dollars. I mean, have it? Yeah. I mean, something to yeah, drop that I quickly. I think this is within basically one yeah, I'm day. Not a, I'm not a what fan of. Seeing? I'm not a fan of this sector. I'm not a fan of this sector. I think uh, uh, you know you have right now a Republican in the White House. You have uh, an ex head of Boeing running uh, or executive of Boeing running a lot of this, and Boeing is 20% of this index, uh, and they're having their issues. So you're you're having huge exposure there, um, and we have massive deficits. Our deficits are near a trillion dollars a year, and we're you know, have have a growing economy. We're not in a recession. So, what happens when uh, either maybe a, a, another party is in the White House? Maybe it's independent. Maybe it's Democrat. What happens to defense spending then? What happens in a recession? Are we going to spend more on defense? I think you're already at peak defense spending. We spend so much money on defense. So, I can't imagine this increasing even more and I think it's priced to perfection especially the likes of Boeing um, so I would absolutely be selling 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 this I do not like it at all strong buy everybody was saying strong buy but I'm losing money on it so that's why I was asking so it's uh, well okay, I would you. Uh, take your lumps and move on thanks for the call Jeff yeah, exactly. 8899 chart 88992 4278 we have 20 minutes left so if you're going to call get your call in now we are about halfway through earnings season and analyst earnings estimates for the rest of the year have continued to come down across the board which isn't atypical okay so this isn't something that is an anomaly for literally the past decade plus analysts have been too optimistic the farther out they go and as we go throughout the year right you suddenly get estimates coming down towards reality but what's interesting is that every sector of the market has been having lower and lower earnings expectations for the year except for the utility sector in the past three months the earnings revision ratio for the utility sector is 2.1 to 1 meaning for every one downgrade in earnings expectations there's 1.1 upgrades in earnings expectations no other sector of the market has more upward earnings revisions over the past three months now what's interesting is the technology sector is the next best and there is is 0.9% so for every one downgrade there's 0.9 upgrades okay the worst sectors have been materials and consumer staples they have the largest net negative earnings revision over the past three months what's even more interesting though I think is that over the past one month the very best sector has actually been the energy sector. And I've been saying this for a little bit. I like the energy sector right now. That ratio is 2.2 to 1. So for every one downgrade, there's 2.2 upgrades of earnings for the energy sector as a whole, which I think is really, really good. 
Now, the three-month guidance ratio above and below consensus and earnings, remember, this is the guidance ratio. What I was just talking about was what analysts were, were doing. Guidance is about what the company is expecting for the rest of the year. It has gone down to 0.48 from 0.55 last earnings season. What that means is for every one guidance downgrade, there's 0.48 guidance upgrades from the companies. But that's the lowest in nearly four years. The long-term average is 0.66, right? 0.66. So I thought that was really interesting as well. So understand where the strength of earnings revisions are coming from. And it's coming out of the utility sector and the energy sector as well. So keep an eye on those. I like both of those sectors as a whole. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you've heard Steve and I say this many times, but there are two emotions that you have to deal with each and every day when you're making investment decisions, and that is fear and greed. So we're going to focus real quick on risk, portfolio risk. You need to understand the potential fear that could strike your portfolio and you in your heart. And there are many risk factors out there in the marketplace. From interest rate risk to economic cycle risk to individual company risk. There's all different types depending on what assets you have in your portfolio. Inflation risk, foreign currency risk, default risk. So my advice is to take our free risk questionnaire at investtalk.com. Steve and I can use those results and help you develop a strategy that works best for your portfolio and your goals. And now we're taking your questions live. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. And be sure to save the date. On Wednesday, May 1st, Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose, California, to sit down with listeners who understand the value of a no-cost portfolio review. So tell your friends and register to meet with Steve on May 1st. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. Love your show. Listen to it all the time. This is Rob from Chicago. Just had a quick question about Verizon, which is ticker symbol VZ. Uh, I actually do currently own some AT&T and uh, obviously love the dividend play. Same with Verizon. Verizon looks a little bit more attractive just because of the growth prospects and coming up to earnings in the next few weeks. I'm just wondering your thoughts. Uh, if this is a good time to enter in, it's about uh, 58, 56 right now. And uh, with this coming year, if you think we should hold off a little bit and enter in later, I just have quite a bit of money in my one of my investment portfolios, looking to invest it, seeing if this is a good time. Thanks so much. Looking forward to hearing you on the podcast. All right. It's looking at Verizon Communications, uh, about the same size company from a market perspective as AT&T, a little bit less 
dividend yield, 4.2. Uh, AT&T is around 6.6. AT&T, in relation to its uh, its market cap, uh, I believe has a little more in the the way of of debt, uh, and then a little different strategy as well, right? They, they they bought Time Warner, and they're looking to get into the content race, etc. So there's certainly a, a little bit higher level of risk with AT&T, and thus you are getting you're, you're getting a lower yield, right? The the lower risk with Verizon, you're going to get a lower yield, and on AT&T higher debt higher risk, you're going to get a higher yield. Uh, Verizon longer term has shown a, a strong ability to allocate their capital, maintain a strong and loyal loyal uh, user base uh, with their wireless services. So I think that is a very strong positive and not a bad way to just diversify your exposure to the telecommunication space, the, the wireless space, with two of the, the biggest players that I think are going to continue to be the big, biggest players. I know there's potential for the T-Mobile and Sprint deal, but that, you know, with the, the, their wireless standards and they have their own issues uh, with themselves as well as Sprint's uh, over-indebtedness, etc. So I, I do think that there's the potential for that threat. But that deal might also fall through as well, and I think there's incre increasing traction that it might. So I, I like your exposure to both. Verizon has come down from its 52-week high of let's see, 51.58. It's uh, down about 8% from its 52-week uh, high, and into some support. Let me take a quick look at the chart here. Bring that up. Yeah, so on Verizon, uh, its daily chart, you're into the 200-day moving average where it found support recently. Not a bad support level. Now, it could go down uh, into the low 50s from the high 50s now, certainly. But uh, I, I like the name. I like the diversification from an income perspective. And long-term, Verizon has shown a good ability to uh, allocate the capital correctly for shareholders. So that's very, very important. Now let's get a little bit into, uh, what are we going to get into now? Let's get into Australia. Australia is an area of the world that is kind of forgotten, right? Uh, but the RBA is going to likely cut interest rates next week on the back of a weakening economy. Growth is collapsing in Australia, and really it's about the housing market. The consumers of home price, uh, of a home price slumped, and air pockets are resulting from a global downdraft, especially in China. So lower demand problems in China. China for a long time has sucked on the resources the uh, of, of of coal and uh, iron ore and everything that's been mined out of Australia and delivered to China to fuel the economic growth and because China has slowed Australia is feeling the pinch because the demand for the raw materials just isn't quite as strong and for years, the global interest rate suppression has pushed housing prices much higher, especially in Canada and Australia. 
and Sydney home prices climbed about 75% in the past five years, from about 2012 to 2007. Remember the, house, the housing market globally kind of bottomed 2012, and Sydney prices grew 75% just in five years. And we remember, you should know that above inflation growth in home prices over an extended period of time is unsustainable. And more recently, Sydney prices are now down more than 10% from their peak. And just finally, supply is starting to, uh, of homes there is starting to pick up, and that's really pushed prices down even more. So this really reminds me a lot of Vancouver uh, in Canada, a lot of money going from China offshore uh, into real estate elsewhere, and low interest rates and decent economies in those areas pushed up housing prices. And Canada, I think, is better equipped to deal with the higher real estate prices and the potential collapse in real estate prices there. But I don't think Australia is. And I don't think their infrastructure has or financial infrastructure is there to deal with the problems that have crept in. So Australia is something everybody should be watching because I think there's a lot of problems underlying with their economy. Now let's squeeze in another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Justin in New York. I'm taking a look at Newell, ticker NWL. Pays a really nice dividend and is uh, certainly one of those moat companies that you, you like to look for. The price is way down uh, over the last a couple years. I'm, I'm looking at some of the financials. It looks like they, they're having a hard time with earnings. I think I'm missing something here. Is this a, is this a good buying opportunity or something you'd want to wait on to see if they uh, have a little more stable earnings? I'd appreciate your, your input here. Thanks. All right. He's looking at Newell Brands. Manufactures household hardware, cookware, and office goods. Sold to volume retailers and wholesale distributors. Uh, this is Tupperware basically. And this is a name whose all-time high was uh, in the low 50s, and now we're at $14 a share. And that high, uh, low 50s was only in 2017, just a couple years ago. So it's down dramatically. And I think it's probably going to continue to go down. Uh, and the main reason is debt. It has a ton of debt. And the market is not open for them uh, to issue more debt and their cash from operations has declined precipitously in 2016 it was 1.8 billion now it's at 680 million trailing 12 months so their business is definitely hurting uh, for, for many reasons uh, but you're looking at the return on assets return on equity all in the negative territory they cannot pay that dividend that's likely to be cut so don't be chasing after this this is uh, looks like a value trap to me so I would stay away from Newell brands it's it's a name technically and fundamentally it just continues to get worse now this is invest talk I'm Justin Klein and we have one goal here and that's to help you achieve financial freedom and our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART.
On the next Invest Talk, are the all-time record highs of the market uniquely vulnerable to a sudden downturn? That story tomorrow. But now, Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, this is Russ in Chicago. Quick question. I have uh, about $5,000 of cash return money sitting in my checking account, and instead of it stagnating in the checking account, I'd like to park it somewhere where I can be making something on that. Um, I was looking at AGNC Investment Corp currently paying about $0.18 per share dividend per month. My thought is uh, I could park it in there. Maybe I leave it there for four months, six months, a year. As I need that money, I can start cashing it out. But I would like to uh, have that money somewhere where it's relatively liquid, but obviously earning some sort of uh, income uh, as opposed to just sitting in the uh, checking account. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and I will be listening. Thank you. I love this question because I think this plagues a lot of people in a time of financial repression, right? You have money that's earning next to nothing, right? Sitting in bank accounts, savings accounts, etc. And people want to earn an interest rate on it, a decent interest rate. Now, the problem here is, once again, and this is constant, and I'm urging everybody out there, stop focusing just on the dividend, just on the interest rate. This is 12.2% AGNC. This is a REIT that invests in mortgage-backed securities. And this is like a bank, and you know the earnings go up and down, and the, 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 the payout goes up and down. This is an extremely high-risk way to earn 12% income. Okay? Very high risk. And if you want to go from very low risk in a checking account to very high risk, then go for it. But this is a very high risk. This is down over 10% from its 52-week high. So yeah, you earn 12.2%, but you're down 10%. So when you want to liquidate it, where are you coming out? You got to pay taxes on that 12 on, on that 12% as well. So people, stop focusing on the interest rate or the dividend yield. It's not the only factor. If you want a higher rate of, uh, of yield, go buy a big blue chip name like a Procter & Gamble or uh, an Exxon or uh, uh, an AT&T, something that pays, you know, 3, 4, 5%. It's not 12%, it's not 10%, but it's a much safer way to earn higher yield than your checking account. Now, I'm not saying it's low risk. I'm just saying it's lower, lower risk than something that's yielding 10, 12%. You have to understand when you're looking at a yield on anything, and that could be a bond, it could be uh, an individual stock, it could be some private placement vehicle, you're likely taking much higher risk than you really understand because these things can be complex. So stop, please stop focusing on just the yield. I would not own this if I don't want to take a lot of risk, and it doesn't sound like you want to take a lot of risk. Thanks for the call. Great question. Lastly, I want to get to a new rule trying to be passed by the SEC, and it's trying to solve, I'll read the, the title again, SEC proposed to enhance protection and improve choice for retail investors in their relationship with financial advisors. And basically what this is trying to do is two things. One is to separate out 
the level of education, experience of financial advisors, right? And the problem here is that some financial advisors have PhDs, while others were just hired last week, fresh out of college, and know very nothing, very little about investing or the markets. They're just taking orders from their higher ups at, you know, Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley or Schwab or whatever, right? They don't know anything. But they both are called financial advisors. So there's a very broad spectrum of what a financial advisor means. And so what they're trying to do is separate that out. So terms like broker, financial advisor, investment advisor, and so forth, they're not muddled. There's some clear understanding from the investment public what that means. What level of standard do they have? And then you get to the standard of care. And this goes back to the fiduciary standard, which you might have heard about. We've talked a little bit about every financial advisor should live up to a level of fiduciary responsibility, which means all financial advisors should re represent the best interest of their clients, just like us at KPP. Any registered investment advisor, RIA, is going to be on the fiduciary standard. Stop dealing with brokers, because they're not. They're not putting their interest ahead of yours, most likely. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program, and I thank you for your loyal support and questions. So please come back tomorrow and visit Steve. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.